Well, hello everyone. I'm your host, Cindy Ketzel. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Nine to Thrive HR. In this podcast, we team up with experts to bring you the best in HR, talent management, and business strategy. We would certainly love to hear from you and have been so grateful for the suggestions you've sent thus far. But if you do have a specific topic for us, please email us at podcasts at hci.org. Today, I am so excited to share with you this amazing guest, James Norwood from iSolved. James is the Executive VP and Chief Strategy Officer there at iSolved. He leads a high-growth marketing and solution strategy team. He's also on the board of directors at Sugar CRM. He brings more than 30 years of experience in enterprise software with a proven track record in product strategy and development, sales and marketing, M&A, and brand creation and differentiation. During his career, James has held numerous C-level and executive leadership roles at a number of ERP, CRM, MarTech, and customer experience companies. Prior to iSolved, James served as an executive VP of strategy, chief of staff, and chief marketing officer at EpiServer, a CX leader focused on content, commerce, and marketing automation. Previously, he was a senior VP and chief marketing officer at CRM and customer engagement company Kana Software through the company's acquisition by Verant Incorporated. And prior to, James spent a decade at Epicor Software, including as senior vice president worldwide product marketing, helping shepherd the company's growth from 100 million to 1 billion during his tenure. James, this is an incredible resume. We are so happy to have you with us here today. Thank you, Cindy. Very pleased to be on the podcast. We're so happy to have you. We've loved having other iSolved guests with uh, HCI, whether on webcasts or podcasts, so we can't wait. But I know I gave a little bit of a bio here, but was there anything else you wanted to share about yourself or what you're currently doing or what you're even doing now with iSolved? Sure. Um, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. By Very the wonderful. I love it. <laughs> well, you know, first off, as you can probably tell by the accent, uh, which hasn't left me despite living in California for the last almost quarter of a century now, to be honest, uh, I'm a native Englishman. <laughs> Stop. <I'm>, no. <laughs> it seems like only yesterday, you know, that I co-founded my first tech startup. And that was back in 1988 in London. You know, it's where I first learned to code. And you know, my career, I moved into pre-sales and channel management and field sales before I actually switched to product marketing in a career that, gosh, now has spent, I have to say, more than 35 years. And I, I even lived in Silicon Valley for four years, which is something if you're in tech, you should certainly always try and do. But I solved my fourth company where I've served as a C-level executive. And I have to say it's my favorite Um because of our purposeful and caring culture, which I know you've experienced with some of our other folks. Uh, here at iSolved, I'm principally responsible for helping define and shape and evangelize our market and our go-to-market and our product strategy. So yes, I oversee the product marketing team. Um, it's important you know, for us to define our value proposition and our differentiation. And I also help guide our marketing team, which of course is responsible for the brand and our demand generation engine. So uh, that's a little bit more about me. 
That's amazing. And if I recall, one of the things that I really enjoyed about learning about iSolved is what you're doing with your customers, you mirror that internal. Yeah, we practice what we preach. Mm -hmm. So important. Yeah. And it's so relatable then to the customer, right? Knowing that it's there, it exists already in place. So here's what I'm really curious about. I know you all just did a survey or released, I should say released, uh, a survey with about, I think, a thousand full-time employees in the U.S. What was interesting about your findings? I think this is always a curious, especially in this day and age, this is always a curious uh, ask of these findings from our surveys. Yeah, and I mean, we do this annually, and yeah, you're right, it's more than a thousand full time employees in the US. And I guess the most interesting thing was that many of the themes we saw during, you know, the COVID 19 years of 2020 and 2021, such as the great resignation, labor shortages, and people sort of pivoting to focus on employee experience, seemed to continue through 22. But during the second half of the year, it was for very different reasons. You know, during the first half of Last year, I think, what was it, around 20 million people quit their jobs in the U.S., which was about a double what it used to be a, a decade earlier. But our data suggests that over a quarter of those people are actually reconsidering whether they'd made the right move you know, in the second half of the year. And I think it shows that with high inflation and increasing interest rates, people's attitude about their work and their financial security started to change during the year. And, uh, you know, fears of an economic downturn added to the day-to-day stresses that employees were feeling anyway to start really driving, you know, a burnout at an unprecedented rate. So that's something that I think was most most interesting. And I love the topic of, I don't love the, to- let, let's be clear, I don't love the topic of burnout, but I enjoy talking about burnout and, you know, being able to talk about it with people and help those uh, maybe experiencing it to find their way out. But I think you mentioned that the report read that 69% of employees or about 70% employees say they experienced burnout over that last year. So have you all, you know, within iSolved, is that something that you've all talked about? What can employers do? I know you've got such a huge customer base. Any thoughts around what can we do to mitigate that? Yeah, you know, as you say, it's an important topic to focus on and it's very real. And there's hardly a day goes by that someone in my network isn't affected in some way. So I think, you know, employers can begin by embracing you know, the values of, let's call it the great re-engagement. And thankfully, our survey does show that there's no let up in the focus on employee experience or the plans to prioritize it, which is great. If you think everything we've gone through over the last few years, and then you add on what I was talking about, this sort of fears of an existential crisis, uh, people have been forced to ask themselves whether they deserve more from both life and work. You know, and I think, we're probably past peak working from home that it's not over, but it's certainly not growing anymore. But organizations do need to do much more in terms of, you know, working hours and location flexibility, giving folks time off to volunteer or embrace the causes that matter to them and simply just for wellness as well. You know, you can avoid burnout by giving people time and being pretty hard about saying it's time off. You're not doing email. You're not taking your laptop with you. And I'm a big believer in that, talking about, you know, practicing what you preach. Um, you know, it, it's no good if here at ISOL, we, we expect our employees to work 
evenings, weekends, and on vacation. I'm very keen at, at ensuring they get that downtime. A couple of other things, you know, some specific approaches that we've seen um, and that can help, you know, just regular pulse surveys, continuous listening, which, you know, by no means is something new, but, you know, allows you to gather feedback across the employee life cycle is a great way to then sort of use data-based insights to understand how people are feeling, especially with many organizations, you know, they're onboarding and offboarding employees at you know, greater rates than ever before. And the last thing I would say, and it seems kind of weird, but employees today would actually welcome far more regular check-ins with their managers than you'd think. You know, if you go back a decade, people are, you know, I don't want to speak to my manager. Now, today's workforce, particularly with all the stresses that are out there, are like, you know, I'd like to touch base. I, I want to know that they care and, and what's going on. So um, don't worry about doing that, more of that. Right, right. Yeah. One of the things that you said about more pulse surveys and checking in more regularly with the employees and being able to use this rings so true for me. I teach a class on people analytics. So this rings so true for me to be able to use data to make insightful strategic decisions in the organization. And that is, so, I mean, and, and understanding where the people are, right? I mean, I'm sure you're going to see trends too, right? And patterns and ebbs and flows with the employees' yeah. responses. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we have one customer, it's a hospital group, and they actually use uh, predictive people analytics, as you say, on top of pulse surveys, which helps them understand like why registered nurses are unhappy or why they're leaving and helps them sort of predict what they need to do to engage them more fully. So yeah, it's not just surveying people. It's, it's then making sense of that data. Action. Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Which could, could be a whole other podcast of conversation, <laughs> I'm sure. So what do you think? And I know you alluded to it a little bit because it, we're talking about, you know, the employee experience and you brought up again, you know, I solve really practicing what they're preaching, but what do you see, whether with customers or at iSolved or just from the data, what is burnout really impacting when we do think about our employees? Yeah, you know, look, workplace stress costs U.S. employers around $250 billion each year. Um, I read, I think it was MetLife's annual benefits trend study that said 72% of employees say stress and burnout is a very real problem within their organization with financial concerns the highest. And I think this is the key here is, you know, for employees as family finances are starting to top the list of stresses, which they went maybe a few years ago, it can seriously undermine work performance because I think we all know if we're preoccupied with the problem, particularly a financial problem, we're less able to uh, focus and be productive at work. Yeah. You know, I'm so much thinking about that person or those employees and the employers to employees, but that figure, 250 billion, did you say annually? Yeah, workplace stress. And it's not just burnout, you know, that's days lost to stress. It's being unproductive. And, you know, we, we've gone through the perfect storm the last three years and it, it doesn't seem to be, you know, uh, abating. So um, it's a serious problem for organizations, just as it is for employees. Yeah. And I often mention this in my people analytics class, the case of doing nothing. So we could do nothing. 
250 billion could continue to climb, or we can invest some of what we're spending that 250 billion in to really create that holistic, um, whatever experience needs to be in place for employees. It's crazy to assign that dollar amount. Well, going back to the survey, there was something else that stood out to me. Um, I thought this was really interesting. And really, just for me, it came out of left field because I hadn't thought about it. But what employees think that HR needs to fix? And the response there was payroll was number one. So tell us a little bit about that. What is that leaning towards? Yeah, <laughs> that was a really interesting um, yeah. statistic. Um, but, you know, shocking as it may be, uh, I think it's the Federal Reserve that says that nearly 40% of Americans don't have enough money saved to cover an unexpected expense of just $400. And that figure rises for females, Black, Latino people, and those making under 60000 a year, which is just frightening. And, and when you think about employee benefits, and in particular payroll, they've evolved around very singular goals, right? Get people paid accurately and quickly, help workers prepare for retirement, protect workers' families in the event of illness and death. They haven't changed much for many years, and those goals remain vital. But for many, especially those in that 40%, they're not the most urgent, and they don't directly address their top financial anxieties, because for many of them, they're living paycheck to paycheck. So I think forward-looking employers, particularly those with many hourly workers, they do recognize the need for a financial security strategy, if you will, that's anchored in payroll. And being able to deliver on that strategy is also a good way for HR and benefits professionals to provide you know, impactful, valuable, not just to the firm, but its workers. So I'll give you an example of that. Offering on-demand pay, pay cards, earn wage access. I hate these things exist, but they open up the traditional payroll cycle, especially since not all workers even have bank accounts and many need help with those unexpected expenses. So I think it's about saying payroll isn't just, you know, the monthly or the biweekly cycle it used to be. It needs to flex with the times as well. You say it and I'm acknowledging it and I know people that fit that bill, but I never thought about it that way. Wow. And so that's something that's possible to do. There's technology or tools out there to make these things happen, Absolutely. I guess. <gasps> and we talk about burnout, well, stressors then leading to burnout, but you're right, that financial insecurity, especially we see prices rising or all around us. I, you know, there's been the whole everything about eggs lately, so... <laughs> Um, prices are certainly rising in the marketplace as well. Wow, interesting. Well, thank you for shedding light. That's definitely a learning for me, and I'll look into that a little bit more as well. Well, you said earlier, and I just flipped through my notes because I wanted to get the language right here. Earlier, you said, you know, we've talked about the great resignation. We're now talking about the great re-engagement, but what does the data say about this great resignation? Will we see it to continue? I know you you gave a little bit about what the first half of 22 looked like um, and, and people maybe not jiving with their decisions to leave their employer, but what are you all seeing? Well, you know, Cindy, I think the data tells us that in 2023, we may now be nearing the end of, or at least the beginning of the end of the great resignation or the great recalibration or whatever you prefer to call it. 
you know, although the data says that employees are still hard to attract and even harder to keep, I think it was 56% of HR leaders in the survey suggested retaining talent is more difficult than ever before. We do expect that number to go down a little in, in 2023. Whereas, you know, that was the sentiment across the board in 2021. By late last year, it was already starting to come far more nuanced and more industry specific. And let me try to unpack that. You know, I talked to a lot of customers and for our manufacturers and our food service and hospitality customers, the biggest question they now ask me is, I still have labor shortages, but should I be hiring if a recession is coming? And yet our healthcare customers, they don't see any slowdown in the need for talent anytime soon, economic downturn or not. In an industry that, let's face it, has been exacerbated by boomers retiring and immigration declining, they just cannot get enough care workers. And that's not going to change anytime soon. So I think we're going to see it be a little bit more nuanced uh, next year. But yeah, I think we're at the beginning of the end of, of that period. I like the language, the great recalibration. I hadn't heard that one yet, but I like that better. We are calibrating, right? That's what the workforce is starting to do. What's important to me? What do I need? How do I find an organization that payroll is, is done the way I need it to be done? Oh, gosh. All right. So let's fall back here. If we think about best practices that HR leaders are using to help employees stay engaged, what would you say would be some of those top best practices so they're not leaving the organization? Yeah, well, the data suggests um, that relationships with coworkers is what people like most about their jobs. And I think we can all respond to that and, and understand that one. And then that's followed, obviously, by you know attractive financial and non-financial benefits. So I think we'd recommend that HR leaders start there, um, you know, nurturing peer relationships by making use of, you know, it's not all about tech, but engagement management tools that can help foster employee collaboration using regular and proactive performance management approaches can help. Uh, and importantly, you know, I, I say this to a lot of our customers who are, some of them are quite small. You don't have to be a large company to use such tools or to gain value from them, you know, especially if you're offering hybrid work or you have remote work, because it might be the only way that they can stay engaged with their peers and their colleagues. Another thing very important. Um, they can and should invest in career paths too. We're seeing a lot of that. Lack of a clear career path or investment in career development is still one of the main reasons why employees are electing or thinking about leaving organizations today. And, you know, we talked about it, but they should also look to help with the cost of living through much needed financial wellness solutions, whether that's offering a competitive 401k plan whether it's uh, that earned wage access that we'd already mentioned, and even providing employees, a lot of firms are doing this now with company negotiated deals, discounts, and savings to help them day to day. I mean, that's very popular. Gosh, I, you know, I think the future of work is increasingly about creating a more human centric workplace and offering, you know, an employee value proposition that genuinely benefits employees. So employers need to work to give a little bit more control to employees on how they manage their working hours, their work environments, their job assignments, and the benefits that matter most to them. Because what's the use of benefits if they don't benefit the employees, right? Um, you know, at the end of the day, 
I think in this post-pandemic world, it should be about making jobs more purpose-driven, listening to employees' needs and establishing, you know, working conditions that make it easy for them just to love their jobs. Yes. Yep. Love their jobs. I think that's a key to the response there. And and I had just, um, we had just had an interview with another guest and uh, they were talking about, uh, you know, newer generations are going to let us know what they think about our employee experience by using their feet. And I was like, that is a kind of a really profound way to think about it. But you're absolutely right. You know, employers, uh, I like human centric workplaces. What a great title for that. Benefiting the employee. What a great way to think about it. So let me ask you this then, if we, James, if you and I were having this conversation next year, what do you think would change about employees' expectations of their experience at work? You think we'll see more of the same continued? Will it be different? What's your thoughts around that? Well, you're asking me to look into my crystal please, ball. Please do the- that. Please do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, that, you know, it's so tough with the way things are going. I Look, clearly, we're going to see continued volatility in the world of work. I I have no doubt. And that always mirrors the realities of our times. You know, whatever's happening in the world around us, that does tend to be mirrored because work's such a huge part of our lives. I mean, you only have to look at recent layoffs, you know, in the tech industry, in the tech sector, to see that changing economic environments can certainly lead to big changes in work. But I I truly believe that what won't change is that, you know, employees desire for that purposeful working environment that suits them and their definition of work-life balance. I think this is important as well. It's what's my definition. One person's definition might be, I want environments that's fast-paced where we work long hours and I thrive on that. Whereas for someone else, it's, you know, a company that values my time off and Stuff. So finding a company that aligns with or supports that definition, I think, is increasingly, you know, going to drive where employees choose to go over this next year. And the good news is our data does say that, you know, those investments in employee experience are going to be top of the list in 23, just as it was for some 83 percent of organizations last year. And coming back to that human centric thing, I think that, you know, um, it's how they're going to create that human-centric organization. And if they do, they'll be able to attract and retain the best. So this just crossed my mind as you were sharing that, James. And again, with previous conversations I've had with folks that I solved, this also means that organizations are going to have to retool or rethink. Well, you mentioned employee value proposition, but retool or rethink their branding, right? Like how they're branding that, like it has to match up with what's happening internal. Yes. Right? How are we communicating Absolutely. and attracting you? We want you to know what we're doing and what we believe in and what the environment is like and being transparent about a lot of that stuff. Absolutely. It's fundamental. You know, you've got to brand, you say brand yourself. You've got to tell and sell your story and you've got to, walk the walk and talk the talk and practice what you preach. It's sort of bringing us full circle to what we were talking about at the beginning. I know. And I'm going to throw this out there, but whatever you would be able to tell us in this format, everything we've talked about and some of these results of the survey, do you all at iSolve, is that also something that you don't take light of and look at what you all are doing internal? Does that ever shape your vision or strategy or what have you? 
yeah, I like to think that we're just a reflection of the sign of the times like yeah. anyone else. And we work very, very hard yeah. at, you know, not just educating our customers on what's possible and what can be done, but walking that walk as well and, and being the epitome of the values that we're trying to, you know, have them embody. I think that's really important. Doesn't mean that we don't suffer from the same issues that others do. We have employees that are stressed. We have employees that, you know, could potentially burn out. So you have to work on that all the time and put that in place. If, you know, I, I like to think that I solved is a little bit of the antidote to um, some of the stresses that, you know, HR professionals and benefits and payroll professionals face today. They just need more time back in their day. <laughs> Our job is to try to give them the time to um, go about things in a less, you know, sort of high paced manner. And uh, if we can do just a little bit of that, well, um, I think we've succeeded. That's awesome. I know. And I just think of, you know, myself personally, having been in roles that I've had to manage uh, administrative IT or HRIS type experiences. Yes, <laughs> the ease of that and uh, moving it from manual to auto generated or what have you. Um, gosh, it does. It saves and it allows you to free up your time to work on the things that really need to be done. And it's all about time. It's all about time. I know. I know. It's all about time. Well, hey, we're just going to wrap up here, James. Is there anything else before we close out? We love having you. We loved having folks on from iSolved. Anything um, before we wrap? Love taking part in this, Cindy. Thank Good. you for having us on. Um, yeah, you know, we love bringing out this data every year. It, it's always so insightful and we try and get it in the hands of our customers as quickly as we can because we really feel that it helps them as they look to, you know, work out what's most important and what they need to do and focus on. And, uh, yeah, no, it's going to be an interesting year. It's already kicked off at fast pace. So, again, it's clear we need to help our customers more than ever. Yeah, well, we are so excited and we hope to be able to talk to you again about any new findings next year as well. Look forward to it. Me too. All right, nine to thrive listeners, just a few things. Please shoot us an email at podcasts at hci.org if you do have any suggestions for topics. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating. Your rating helps other professionals and talent minded people discover our program. For nine to thrive HR and all of us here at HCI, we appreciate you for tuning in. Make it a great day.